0: Right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael Swede from Sweden. And we put a link in the chat room at Eurofolk Radio concerning the subject that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, how are you doing, Michael?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good here in some, summary Sweden. Uh, so yes, so, that the, that the oh. world could do better because it's uh, we are under... Uh, heavily attacked by the by the by the Jews. They are us on every front.
0: Yeah, right. And even the weather, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I'm sure you have chemtrails in Sweden like we do here in America, right?
1: Oh, sure. There's yeah. but hey, here people say, oh no, it's just contrails. It's only from the <laughs> con- uh, yeah, so you know they don't want to yeah. But yeah, it's here too.
0: Yes, right. Okay. So here is the situation, folks. Uh, uh, By all means, go to, when you have a chance, go to the main page of Eurofolk Radio. And I just posted an expose of multiculturalism, how bad it is. The first video is about uh, a former executive, female executive of Levi's Incorporated, who when she moved to San Francisco thought it was the most delightful place in the world. But she's had to move. Why? Because her fellow liberals started chastising her because she didn't agree with COVID. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Michael, that fellow liberals chastising one another?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but that's, I guess, it shows in their hypocrisy, their hypocrisy and their... their, their, They are so... Narcissistic about uh, everything because they, uh, they don't, they are like sheeps and sheeps don't want to look into, um, they, they don't want to look into those kind of matter because that would, that's too much for them. They, they don't, they don't look into stuff. They are, they are sheeples and sheeples are very egoistic and if, and they are so afraid to look in something that contradicts their worldview. And that see? is, that is typical liberals. And yeah, here we yeah. see typical liberals. They are so yeah. egoistic about their life and think, no, but don't contradict my, my lifestyle now. Don't contradict it. Yeah. Because then instead of, instead of reasoning and listening, no, they, they kick you away because they can't handle it. They are so sheeple like.
0: Yeah. Well, ironically, they are very much, you be like me. If you're not like me, then you're not diverse. <laughs> right. Isn't that ironic? Right. Every liberal wants every other person in the world to be just like them. Now, that's not diversity, though. If everybody's alike, no, it's, it's not, not diversity, right? It's how, it's ridiculous.
1: It's
0: yeah. And then the second video on that post is simply unbelievable. It's a documentary about Philadelphia and how Philadelphia has degenerated in an, an absolute slime pit of crime, drugs, prostitution, In fact, you won't believe it. You won't believe it, folks. There's some kind of drug that people in Philadelphia are on that causes them to fall asleep while standing up. And so the video captures a bunch of these people who are kind of, they're standing. They're doubled over with their heads hanging down, but their bodies are like in rigor mortis. They're actually asleep while standing up. You won't believe this video, folks. It's absolutely outstanding. Talk about the irony of the times, the utopian liberalism face-to-face with reality, folks. It's unbelievable. All right, but let's get into today's subject, which is a kind of a mainstream discussion of the story of Jacob and Esau. And let me just preface it. Uh, quickly by saying, and then uh, maybe you can get your thoughts on this as well. Throughout my entire life as a practicing Christian, from my Catholic days as a youth into uh, checking out Judeo-Christian denominations of the non-Catholic variety, uh, it's I have never heard a single sermon about Esau. It's like, for the Judeo-Christian church, Esau does not exist, okay? So I was like, "Yeah, Philadelphia, very good, Lily. Philadelphia, it's on the main page of Eurofolk Radio. You know, you can watch it later on. So uh, it, it's there on the main page. So, uh, what about your experience, Michael?
1: Well, I haven't been practicing as long as you, but I have the same experience when I asked the uh, like the local pastors here in Sweden, I have some people about it. Hey, what about reason what, what is this all about? But the answer I get is mostly no. This is uh, uh, this is a spiritual thing. They always turn <laughs> to the spiritual side. They right. never, they never say this it, is flesh and blood because the Bible is all about flesh and blood. Now it is not about salvation after this. The salvation is Here not saving soul. It is getting from danger now. It is protection now from danger. Then what happened after that? Yeah, that is in Father's hand. But we need to resist evil and stay away from it. But then that's that's why we have the scriptures as a guidance.
0: Yeah, yeah, we should have the scriptures as guidance, but the Judeo-Christian churches don't use it for guidance. They use it to, you know, as you just pointed out, they talk about salvation in the hereafter. They never talk about the Bible as being present in your life here and now to solve the world's problems. Never, Right it's like uh, it's like a, an addiction right they use the bible as a crutch for the hereafter and don't realize we're supposed to empo- employ these principles right here and now in our own lives okay so it, it's crazy the the world has gone absolutely nuts bananas fruitcake you, you name <laughs> you name the vegetable right the world has gone absolutely nuts Alright, and uh, I found a really appropriate verse for today. And it's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. And it's entitled here, Godlessness in the Last Days, verse 1. And, and feel free to comment here as I read through this, Michael. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are we in perilous times, Michael? Go <laughs> figure. Uh, uh, yeah, but the ironic thing again is, there are very wealthy white people and wealthy people all over the world who are utterly clueless about the absolute degeneracy and freefall that society is in. They won't admit it because they themselves are—they have blinders on—and they don't want to admit that everything is going to hell, right? so uh, exactly. what
1: exactly yeah
0: the, the do these people have to suffer uh the you know, before they understand what's really happening
1: i'm very doubtful when i see some of the people that they will because they need to be they need to be uh, stomped upon, and what is the only <laughs> thing the pathetic white race cares about today? Their yeah. money, their yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah. So if they, if and they really
1: comfort. push hard on their wallet maybe they react. Maybe yeah. I don't know if they do.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, the and I wouldn't say ironic, but the strange thing is, most of these whites who refuse to see reality are both Judeo Christians and liberals. I have made the statement in the past that liberalism and Judeo-Christianity are virtually identical. The only difference is one believes in a fake Jesus. The other doesn't believe in any Jesus at all, right? But that, that, that otherwise, they're virtually the same. Their principles are the same. They accept homosexuality. They accept race mixing, blah, blah, blah. There's hardly any difference between the two. All right? Verse 2. For men, and that's uh, anthropos, he's talking about his own, shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. There's a long list. Let me go through the whole list. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. Ooh, that's bad. Fierce despisers of those that are good, that's liberalism, folks, that's Judeo-Christianity, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, that's your churches today, folks, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Well, Michael, do you know any such people?
1: Oh, yeah. The majority of the people today, unfortunately, and I'm I'm looking here in this little bubble here in Sweden, and I see a lot of them.
0: Okay, yeah, and they're everywhere. The churches are full of them. Absolutely. The theaters are full of them. The universities are full of them, okay, because, as I said, this describes modern Judeo-Christians and liberals, describes them both, okay? For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women and silly men too, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts and addictions, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How many university degrees, how many uh, theological degrees do people have and still know absolutely nothing? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is one of the most beautiful prophecies the Bible contains, folks. Paul is indeed a prophet. Verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Liberalism and Judeo-Christianity resist the truth mightily. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all as theirs also was. Okay? Is it becoming manifest to sane people today, Michael? And, of course, we in Identity are the sanest people on the planet. Your comment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I sat in red, and, and yeah, you you, you can uh, uh, keep on.
0: Okay. So, anyway, I just wanted to point this prophecy is one of the best prophecies about these end times you will ever come across. You will never hear it quoted in a Judeo church. You will certainly never hear it quoted at a university <laughs> because they resemble that remark. All right. Okay. So, yeah. folks, yeah. Can, uh, okay. can I also
1: read some verse later?
0: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Are you done with the verse from
0: uh, now? Yes. Yeah. That, that's it. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9, really. Eye-opening stuff. Okay. Yeah.
1: So this is also one from. Uh, this is just one verse that I saw from, um, that I saw from Isaiah, yeah. and it's Isaiah okay. twenty-nine sixteen. Um, and this is also regarding. So, uh, how perverse of you! Should the potter be reckoned as the clay? Should what is made say of his maker, he did not make me? And what is formed, say of him who formed it, he did not understand. Is it not yet a little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into garden land, and garden land be reckoned as the forest? Um, so why I want to go to this is because this also is one of the how how the Judeo-Christians and here the secularists argue. They think they know better than the maker. So they, they are like this potter that arguing against the maker and say, well, he did not make me, as he said here. And they believe that that the almighty maker didn't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is also something I, I very, and this, this is also interesting here, because that was one of the translation I read. If you read in the translation from uh, King James, it says a bit better, maybe. It say like this. Okay. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made, made it, he made me not. Or shall the things um, framed say of him that uh, framed it, he had not on, no understanding.
0: Yeah, well uh, that describes Judeo-Christianity where they have total, totally turned against the, the, the clear word of Yahweh and deny everything that the Bible teaches in the churches, okay? Because they don't like Yahweh's laws, right? They say, ah, that doesn't work. You know, we're liberals. We believe in multiculturalism. The world is a better place, you know, when it's diverse. Well, if everything becomes brown, it's no longer diverse, okay? I mean, come on, use some logic. liberal. But, of course, these people don't use logic. They all are based on feelings. If it feels right, do it. That's the that's the motto for today. Okay, that's the motto yeah. for today. Okay. So and a, a,
1: another comment also to the verse that you read, this described exactly how we are um, how we are today in our, in the society because it also described this they have a description in second uh, Timothy three six to say this silly women. And that is not just women per se it could yeah. be feminized men that are led away by various lusts, because it's not just women. Now the men also does it. Yes. So th- this is, this also describes the, the weak-minded men, not just, this is, still women oh, is a sure. reference also to men that are, as I said, they are weak-minded.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, again, when society loses its um, foundation, you know, and anybody who has an honest point of view about history has to understand that White Christianity, Christianity practiced by white people throughout history, has created civilization. There's simply no doubt about that. It can't be gainsaid. That's the way things are. That's the way things happened. But we know that, uh, that, that uh, speaking of Jacob and Esau, the prophecy that Isaac made to Esau, telling him that one day he would gain the ascendancy over Jacob, has taken place. It took place at the Battle of Waterloo. When the House of Rothschild became the dominant force on planet Earth, okay, and we've been under the domination of Jewish bankers ever since, that th- th- this is what has made the modern evil world possible. And now we're so far into that game, so many people are wallowing in the muck of liberalism, which is a Jewish construct, it's a Jewish idea, created for the weak-minded people of planet Earth, right? Liberals, Judeo-Christians, homosexuals, trans, all of it. Created for weak-minded people, and now we're beginning to see the fruit, full-blown, where you can't go into an American city anymore without stepping on feces, uh, a discarded needle, Running into a prostitute. It's gotten so bad in virtually every American city that the police cannot control it anymore. Okay?
1: Yeah, and I think it seems to be deteriorating faster in America than in Sweden because when you look in the Swedish big cities, it's not that bad really. This has not gone that bad here yet. Uh, But I I believe that you are the first target, then they take us rest, so it will be the same here too.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, Europe is actually, has always been more civilized than America, if I dare say so, because you didn't have like the Wild West, you didn't have the... uh, yeah, the, the criminality, the organized crime that we've had here in America, of course, that's all Jew-controlled. Uh, but uh, the reason why, I think, uh, maybe you can speculate on this too, Michael, is because at a certain point in history, I think the Jews left Europe to focus on America because they knew America was going to be the powerhouse that it eventually became and wanted to exploit it. So the parasite moved from Europe to America, Right and because of the absolute wealth that this country has always had, right? So the degeneracy hasn't gotten as bad, although I would say because homosexuality, drug use, and uh, free love and that sort of thing have become kind of normalized along with socialism in Europe, which they never were here in America. It's just gotten to a really horrible extreme very quickly here in America. Your comment.
1: Yeah, because uh, as you said, I think because the Jews regard uh, your your as uh, America as their new Jerusalem because That's of right. all the wealth, all the milk and honey, and it is the new the new Jerusalem, but not for them. It is for us, not for them.
0: That's right. um,
1: But yeah, we have fewer. I think because in Sweden does not possess maybe either that that very big wealth that is comparable to America. So we have fewer of the Jews, but of course, it's the same here Montreux here too. You have Bonnier controls the media, and then Wallenberg is the one as the financial agent of the Rothschild here. So right. they also keep this nation lockstep. Yeah. Um, but it's a more of, as I also described it before, a self-playing piano. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they... Uh, they do do stuff. It's self-playing. You don't need to do so much in Sweden because they are so – they want to bend over to everybody else and themselves, and they are so afraid to be just be called racist or something like that. Or, oh, you are Nazi because you're criticizing Jews. Right. Oh, no, I'm staking the facts. That's right. Um, That's and, right. That is, and this is uh, – I think this is not in this verses here, but this is also said, those that, that did not receive the love of the truth. So That's they would right. be perished. And there is so many people that did not receive the love of the truth, and then they will perish. They're Look not. at all the ones that just ran away and took those COVID shots because they did not receive the love of the truth. That tells you if they are sincere or not, that they say if they are practicing Christians. But if you don't believe in the two seed line, the seed line doctrine, I I can't really believe that you are really a practicing Christ You try, but... You yeah. miss the most important, the, the key yeah. in the Bible. You miss the
0: bloodlines. Yeah, you miss the bloodline message, which Jacob and Esau are part of the bloodline message, right? Okay. All right, so let's get into it uh, because this, uh, as I said uh, in my opening comments, the story of Esau is totally ignored by mainstream Judeo-Christianity. I think it's even ignored by the Orthodox Church. I can't recall ever hearing a sermon about Esau and the comparison. The only thing they ever say is, they they say, oh, well, Jacob tricked Esau, right? That's all. And then then they give Jacob a bad name, thinking the Jews are Jacob, (laughs) right? When we know that the Jews are actually from Esau and that whole bloodline going all the way back to Genesis 3.15. So let's get into it here. This is
1: an article. Go ahead. uh, Comment your line.
0: Yeah. As you
1: said, um, you have also, as you said, this, um, that they, that's something about, I'm reading on some of the the more natural, the nationalistic uh, sites, uh, the, they are natural socialists, but they also are also, they are very deceived by that, this message that they believe that, that Yahweh God is the God of the Jews, and they miss that point. I don't know if this deliberate or this is just they are ignorant of the fact, but I, um, because the natural socialists in Germany, they were, professing Christians, and there are also German officers that did know that the Jews were just, they just you tried to take over our identity. There were German right. officers that know this. There were,
0: yeah, I think so Himmler. This Himmler was one was of them. known
1: in Germany also.
0: Yes, yeah. It was a, 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 an emerging fact, you know, because Germany was in such chaos because of the Weimar Republic, which is a, a premonition of what's happening to America today. The absolute degeneracy, money lending, uh, uh, homosexuality, degenerate entertainment. That was created by the Jews in Germany after World War One. Guess what we've got here, folks?
1: Exactly that, the same thing.
0: Yes, exactly the same thing. All right, so now this is an Orthodox Christian in the general general sense of the word Orthodox. But this is actually a very good, you know, it's, it's got wisdom in it, which is unusual <laughs> for a Judeo-Christian article. This is from uh, blogs.ancientfaith.com, the whole council of God, an introduction to your Bible. And I'll, I'll read the first few paragraphs, and I'll turn it over to you. It's entitled, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. October 23, 2018, by Father Stephen de Young. And he says, The story of twin brothers Jacob and Esau, or Israel and Edom. Very good. Israel and Eman. Represents a major portion of the patriarchal narratives in Genesis. Yeah, a very big portion, right? It's crucial. Absolutely crucial. But you won't hear anything yes. about Yeah, right? It's crucial. St. Paul returns to this story in his epistle to the Romans, chapters 9 through 11, in answering a particular situation in the life of the Roman church. Okay, well, uh, the Roman church didn't exist yet. Didn't exist yet. There was no such church. So he's got a, a warped perspective right away. We can see he's got a warped perspective. This major passage separated from its original context in the epistle to the Romans. Now, there were Christians in Rome. There were Judahites in Rome. We could say that much, but there certainly was no emerging Christianity yet in Rome. Certainly not. This major passage, separated from its original context in the Epistle to the Romans, the New Testament, and the Scriptures as a whole, as well as from its historical context, has become one of the primary bases for an entire stream of Western thought regarding election and its relationship to the salvation of the human person. Okay, you can see it's very broad. He's very broad minded in his approach here. But here, I, I would say. He makes a very good point. Uh, Let me read the next sentence. In order to properly understand what St. Paul is teaching in the epistle to the Romans, his words must be understood within that historical context. That is a very important statement there. Why? Because modern Christianity views the Bible as though it was written yesterday. Totally forgetting the historical context of the Bible Paul is referring to the Old Testament in virtually every statement he makes. He is not talking about modern Judeo-Christianity. He's not talking to the whole world. He is talking to the Israelites of Judah and the dispersion of his day. That's what he's talking about. That's who he's talking to. The churches do not understand this fact. Your comment, Michael.
1: Um, this is this um, perception, as I also started up with, that they they believe in it's spiritual because if they can't describe it, they say it's spiritual. Right. And they and they mock this con. They they don't understand the concept that. And that the Bible's key, the, one of the key to the Bible is, is a an, is an, is an book about uh, the history of the white Caucasian race. That's what everything is about. It That's has right. nothing to do about the life hereafter. It's about here and now and to being protected here and now from evil. And then what happened after this? This is not about something, salvation and saving souls. And if you can't, uh, if you can't define it, you, you are thrown to hell. Well, it's not to say that. It is about protection from evil and that we should resist evil. Amen. That is why we are placed here.
0: Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But so few of us are resisting the devil.
1: Yes. Amen. They, they don't <laughs> resist it. They, no. They think it is kumbanja
0: It's all love. Yeah, Kumbaya, love. Right? No, it's not. <laughs> Kumba what's the, what's the uh, Jamaican word for – oh, Ganja. Kumbai Ganja, (laughs) right? Just, uh, what's that song? Uh, One toke over the line, sweet Jesus, one toke over... You can combine getting high with Christianity. Can you not, right? This is how absurd things have become. But this point that this author makes is absolutely crucial. True Christianity is a historical religion, If you don't, what the Bible says, hearken back to your father, uh, 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 not Isaac, Abraham, and your mother, Sarah. It's a bloodline religion. It's a historical religion. If you don't know the history of your people, you cannot understand the Bible. Period. Okay?
1: Exactly. Right? And I always... Isn't Go. it also like this, that when they're referring to honor your mother and father, could also be a reference to Sarah and, and to Isaac, uh, to Sarah and Abraham, and their and their allegiance and their love to God and to honor them. And how you yes. honor your forefathers, you do not, race mix.
0: Yes, you honor your bloodline. That's what it's all yes. about. Okay? So we're going to stress this concept of bloodline because that's what the Bible is about, folks. That's what it's about. Okay? And then he continues. Possibly even more importantly, however, St. Paul assumes that the hearers of his epistle are thoroughly familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau. Really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) What modern pastor has ever stressed this this, uh, topic of Jacob and Esau? Let me finish the sentence here as it was one of the stories which formed the groundwork for the religious life of the communities to which he wrote. Again, real Christianity is a historical religion, and the people that Paul was addressing in his epistles are not the Catholic Church, not the uh, Anglican Church, not the the Judeo-Christian denominations. He's addressing Israelites, who were very familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau, modern Christians are not. This is yeah. Go, go
1: ahead. Yeah. yeah. And as I said, as you, who is preaching this? Who is talking about? Well, it's only way in in CI Christian identity or identity Christianity that speaks about this fact. Nobody else does. No one wants to touch it. They they can't they can't say that God hates someone, but he does. Huh, he says he does. He said, Jacob I love, Esau I hate.
0: Amen. Amen. Even though it's stated in the past tense, it still applies. (laughs) Because Esau is just as evil today as he ever was. The people, the the descendants of Esau. And even possibly more evil because they've become more powerful and more sophisticated in their uh, deceptions. Okay, even though it's the same old deception. They just use modern technology to deceive us, right? Okay, let me repeat this. This is so important. Possibly even more importantly, however, St. Paul assumes that the hearers of his epistle are thoroughly familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau, as it was one of the stories which formed the groundwork for the religious life of the communities to which he wrote. Yeah, all all the Israelite communities to which he wrote. This story of the forebear from which Israel received its name is not just a brief example thrown out by the Apostle in Romans 9 and then abandoned for speculative theology, what well, has been abandoned by the churches. Rather, St. Paul brings the story to his hearer's mind as he begins because his entire argument in these chapters is based on applying... The experience of Jacob and Esau, Israel and Edom, to the present situation in the life of the Roman church, which he falsely refers to as the Roman church. The the Israelite congregations to which Paul wrote, and which he visited personally. Okay, So we have to correct his. Even he is falling for the argument that he's arguing against, (laughs) right? There was no Roman church when Paul preached. (laughs) Yeah, you know, didn't didn't the Romans kill him, right? Yep, the Romans murdered him. That's that's right. And uh, yeah, so there was no Roman Church, and uh, the first Pope didn't even exist until uh, 605 A.D. Right? Let me read one more paragraph, and I'll turn it over to you. This is good stuff. Uh, this this person has some awareness of the historicity of the New Testament and the Bible itself. It must be remembered that the epistle to the Romans, like all of St. Paul's letters, is an occasional document. He was writing about certain problems within the Christian Israelite community in his time. He wasn't writing about the future. He wasn't writing about uh, uh, Joel Osteen and, uh, and other Judeo-Christian you know con artists, right? That's what modern Judeo-Christianity is. It's con artistry. That's all it is. It's con artistry. St. Paul did not sit down to write a theological or philosophical treatise. Such things existed in the ancient world, but they followed a different format and genre. Rather, St. Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, even though at this point in his life he had not been there in person, to address particular issues that were facing that community. He knew what they were facing, and that's why he wrote to them. This is important for interpretation because St. Paul's argument in any part of the letter is not merely a series of musings or asides on various topics, but is directed purposefully toward what is happening in the lives of real people. And the modern churches have lost sight of this fact. That the epistles Paul wrote and all the gospel is addressed to by for and about Christian Israelites only, exclusively, in their various communities. Right? With, is that a fair statement, yeah. Michael? Okay?
1: Yes, it is. And and also the only one was living up in Europe in those places were the white Caucasian race.
0: That's right. They, they
1: wasn't, it wasn't it was Asiatics.
0: No. <laughs> okay. I'll turn it over to you. This is really good stuff so far, except for the uh, you know assumption by the author that the Roman church actually existed yet. No, it's obvious from the letter that Paul is writing there that these Roman citizens who are actually Israelites have so much to learn. This is emerging Christianity, what we're talking about. Okay, over to you.
1: Yeah, thank you. So, specifically... Uh, the church in Rome had been convulsed by recent political events in the city of Rome, uh, surrounding the expulsion of the Jews from the city by the emperor Claudius in late 40 AD. Um, and this now, let's see what uh, yeah, the church in Rome said is that is he that didn't exist then, but this expulsion of is this true? You is this Jews as we know them, or is it the Okay.
0: All right. That's a, that's a very good question. Obviously, the author is not familiar with w- what happened in Judea, you know, w- regarding uh, King John Hyrcanus inviting Edomites into Judea, who subsequently became the uh, Pharisees, scribes, and Pharisees, and the uh, Sanhedrin. Not familiar with that. It was those Judeans. They're properly called Judeans of Edomite extraction who bribed Julius Caesar and other Caesars of Rome to uh, invade Judea and take over the house of Judah. So obviously this author doesn't, doesn't show familiarity with that history, but we have to make a distinction. The, it was those money-lending Jews who wormed their way into the society of the upper crust of Rome who were the, the Jews that he's talking about here. Okay, those were the evil Jews who uh, made trouble for Rome. The Judahites we're talking about had been living in, in Rome for several hundred years already because they, they left Judea to escape all the violence of the intertestamental period, okay, and uh, you know, you have to again, you have to know the history of the Bible to understand it, okay, in which the, the modern churches have no interest in history whatsoever, they're out of context, they they have no historical context. You go to any Judeo church, they have no historical context whatsoever, okay. So, but nevertheless, the Judahites who were in Rome felt the pinch as well because, yeah. Who, they didn't the, the Caesar didn't care whether you were a Judahite or an Edomite, you know. They just assumed you were a Judean. And so we get blamed for what the Jews do, right? That's that's the situation in Rome. Okay, so please continue.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. Yes. Um this event is reflected elsewhere in the scriptures in Acts eighteen. 18- Uh, Verse 2, in which uh, St. Paul meets uh, 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 Priscilla and uh, Aquila in Corinth, where they are said to have journeyed from Rome because of this expulsion. Yeah, that's something I would say. say.
0: Okay, so Um, the Judahites got caught up in these expulsions, even though it was the Edomite Judeans who were causing all the trouble. Back to you.
1: Yes, and this, as I said, uh, Rome was formed by by Sarah Judah after they after after Troy was destroyed by the by the Greeks. So they that's fled right. from Troy, and then they they found founded Rome.
0: Amen. Don't be historical, Michael. That, that that complicates things. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Please continue. It does. Yeah.
1: And that's why I also have these red colors in Rome, because that was Zerah Judah's color.
0: Right. That's right. Okay. So he uses the term Jewish you know, when he's he's actually, he should be saying Judean, because it was a mixture of Edomite Jewish moneylenders and Judahites from Zerah Judah. Okay. That's Rome. That was the actual population, although the... Edomite Jews were a, a small minority. They were the moneylenders to the Caesars. Back to you. Yes. So, the
1: Jewish people had been expelled from the city at least twice before. Once in the Republican period and once by uh, Tiberius. And I guess this is then the, the actual Edomite Jews he's speaking about here.
0: Okay, well, actually, no, it's... Uh, be, be, but because this is talking about histor- historically before uh, the Scribes and Pharisees period in Judea. So what actually happened was, and this is covered by Josephus in great detail, what happened was the Judahites, descendants of Zerah Judah, and also the Judahites from Judea, from the uh, Hasmonean period, uh, moved to Rome to join their brethren of Zerah Judah. So now you have a population of Zera Judahites and Pharaoh's Judahites growing in population. But the Pharisee Judahites brought their religion with them, which Zerah Judah did not have. And, uh, and Paul is trying to explain the, the religion because the Messiah had come, right? And Zerah Judah was part of the Israel community, all right, Which Paul understood. Paul understood that. But what happened was even before uh, the Hasmonean period, these Judahites who were practicing the law, they were practicing Israelite law, Mosaic law, became very prosperous. They paid their taxes, and the Caesars loved them because they paid lots of taxes because they were so prosperous, right? As white Christians typically are. We're always the most prosperous people around because we obey the laws, uh, we have a work ethic, we treat each other well, blah, blah, blah. That's how Christian civilization came to be, right? But the, the other Roman citizens resented the prosperity of these Judahites and demanded that the Caesars expel them. So this is what he's talking about when he says, quote, the Jewish people, unquote, had been expelled from the city at least twice before, once in the Republican period and once by Tiberius, okay? It gets more complicated under Tiberius because the Edomites had wandered up to Rome as well by that time. And then then he says these expulsions had various precipitating causes. Yes, you have to understand the difference between the, the Edomite Judeans and the true Judahites, to understand that there were different reasons, okay? These expulsions had various precipitating causes. Back to you.
1: Yes, thank you. So, these expulsions had various um, precipitating causes. The two most common were either Eurization, attempting to attack Romans to the Jewish way of life, or... Failure to worship the Roman gods resulting in some misfortunes.
0: Okay, there, that's a very good point. The Judahites who had moved from Judea up to Rome refused to worship the Roman gods. That's why the pagan Romans hated the true Judahites. Completely different reason from from hating the Jewish moneylenders who were Edomites, okay? Okay. The common people, the pagan people of the Roman Empire, could care less about Jewish moneylenders. They never came in contact with them. They resented the true Judahites because of our religion and because of our exclusivity and our refusal to worship the Roman gods and goddesses. Okay? That's one of the various precipitating causes. Back to you.
1: And isn't that also a bit how it is today? If we believe in the living God, but then you come into, what do you say, crossfire with one of those materialistic atheists. That's right. Their God is money. So then they they don't (laughs) like us then.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. And so you have to understand the history of the day to understand what he is talking about. And he's really good on this point. All right, back to you.
1: Yeah, and we also have those kind of problems today, but they are in other forms. I mean, uh, we maybe today within uh, idol worship. Well, it's not statues; it is not pagan gods, but instead it is uh, the television or the government or the medical doctors. That is yes. today the idol worshiping. You go to the doctors and pray, "Hey, please help me with my illness. What is the problem with me?" And yeah, same with right, government. Yeah. They bow down to governments.
0: Right. No, you need a Jewish psychologist, and then you'll be all right. Yeah, that's yeah. the last thing you want. To have. <laughs> right, right, right. But even today, the, the church, there's so many of the churches believe that the law has been done away with, that you don't need to practice the feast days. The only thing they demand of you is to come to their church on Sunday Or Saturday, whatever the case may be, and that's all they require. That's all that's required of a modern Christian today. That's it. Anything goes. Yeah, because if
1: they would talk talking about this this uh, message, we do well. They would have they lost two third or maybe ninety percent of the listeners. That's right. Because it's too offensive yeah. for them. They won't they worship money. They want money more than anything else. Right. So right. they don't they don't uh, they are not telling the truth because that don't give them money.
0: Right, and that's where it's kind of a, it's definitely a country club atmosphere in the more prosperous churches where they go to hear a sermon about nothing, and then but then after the sermon they have a golf outing, and where they make business deals. Or And so a lot of these people are actually Freemasons, right? They're secret Freemasons who go to church to make business, you know, find new customers and business partners, right? For example, in Chicago, the, the deal was you go to church in the morning, and then you get tickets to the uh, Blackhawks hockey game, which the matinee on Sunday afternoon. Uh, maybe this is why it's done on Sunday afternoon. The Blackhawks hockey game is always a matinee in the afternoon. Right, rarely at night. So you go from the church to the hockey game, make your business deal during the hockey game, have dinner afterwards, and and you you sign the paperwork. Right? Totally materialistic. Back to you. It's the same here.
1: I don't know though if the church is the big uh, gathering. Unfortunately, but it's still uh, the sporting event is always in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's religion plus sports equals business. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, back to you.
1: Yes, so in the case of Claudius, uh, from the very beginning of his reign as emperor, there had been issues of public disturbance surrounding the Jewish uh, communities in Rome, as the Jewish community had come to such a significant size that its internal issue began to affect the overall peace and good order of the city.
0: Okay, hold on. Here it should, should be Judahite. Because These are Judahites that had left Judea, Judah, before it was Judaized, okay, by the Edomites, okay, and these are the very prosperous Judahites who lived in their well, ghettos is, might be a term that could be used, but they we are supposed to segregate ourselves from the rest of the world, right? Yeah, Ju- Judah, yeah, okay, and uh, the pagan Roman populace resented them for that. But they did pay their taxes, (laughs) right? And the the Caesars loved them for that. But now Claudius had a problem, okay? Here are these very prosperous Judahites who are paying their taxes, who are law-abiding citizens, but who demanded the right to obey Yahweh's laws within the Roman Empire, okay? But the pagan Romans hated them for that. For those two reasons. Number one, they were segregated away from the pagan Roman uh, population, and they were very prosperous. That's why the pagan Romans hated the true Judahites. Back to you. Yes.
1: Thank you. That's what I think also that it has been so big, these communities, and they they see it as a rivalry to the Roman Empire.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay.
1: So, according to um, Caesius Dion in 41 AD, based on uh, these issues, Claudius had issued an edict banning synagogues meeting in an effort to keep the peace. Several years later, this had clearly failed, and those synagogues are the gatherings of the Judites, not the, true the Judah, not
0: the. Yeah, the the uh, Pharisees hadn't even had time to move up that far, right? Only certain moneylenders like Antipater, and Herod. Uh, had actually moved up to Rome. Back to you.
1: Yes. So um, Suetonius tells us uh, that by the late 40s, the Jewish community of Rome never stopped causing evil disturbance of civil. the. Uh, civil disturbance. Goading of, yeah. Ah, uh, civil disturbance at the goading of uh, uh, Christus.
0: Yeah. Well, just like we in identity, we're causing civil disturbances by demanding that uh, our people adhere to Yahweh's laws, right? (laughs) Which most of our people don't want to do. Okay? So this is what was causing the issue. So we're ever – and we're always fleeing away from the materialistic society that does not accept Yahweh's laws. Okay? And so there's constant strife between us and the rest of the world because we demand – to have the right to obey Yahweh's laws in a segregated society. Is that too much to ask? The Bible demands for, it.
1: For the, for the Jews, it is because then we are their, their mortal enemy. And we will be more That's powerful right. than them because we have Yahweh on our side.
0: Yeah, yeah. So here's the deal we demand our segregated society because we created this country and we created Europe then the Jews move in with their money-lending activities and turn the materialists against us because that's their belief, that's their belief system. The same thing was happening here in Rome in those days. All right, back to you.
1: Yes, thank you. So this led to Claudius taking the further step of expelling the Jewish community from the city, literally driving them out. The
0: Judahite community, yes. We're talking about Judahites here, okay.
1: Yes, it is uh, conjectured that the mention of this um, Christus may uh, actually be uh, Suetonius' misunderstanding of the preaching of Christ in the city. And so this civil disturbance were occurring between members of the Jewish community who did not accept Jesus as the Messiah and early Christians. There is not nearly enough historical evidence uh, to know this for certain. However, okay,
0: Okay, so yes, so he's close. He's close to understanding the situation here uh, because, again, we're talking about emerging Christianity among the Judahites living in Rome, okay? And uh, Paul went up there to tell them that the Messiah had come. These are not Jews, these are Judahites. This is what we have to understand about history. Paul did not go to preach to Jews. He did not go to to, uh, Rome to preach to Edomites. He went to Rome to preach to Judahites to to tell them, Hey, the Messiah had come. You people are a broken-off branch from Zerah Judah. That's what Paul clearly says they are. They're a broken-off branch not some stray branch that wants to be grafted in, right? He went there to preach to Israelites of the house of Zerah, Judah, and, of course, the Judahites that had already migrated from Judea up to Rome. It was a dual community here. And it was those Judahites from Judea, from actual Judah, who were practicing Yahweh's laws, doing sacrifices, etc., etc., they were doing their best to keep Yahweh's law as they understood it in the confines of the Roman community. Back to you. And this is also one of the misconceptions,
1: this grafted in. They believe that everybody, this verse, they think that everybody can be grafted in. But you cannot graft in something that did it, did it belong to the free from the beginning.
0: That's right. That's right, and and that is true uh, biologically as well. <laughs> you cannot graft a a, a a pear tree a pear branch onto an apple tree, and expect that pear branch to produce apples. It will not happen. It will continue to produce pears, <laughs> right? So. and and there's nowhere in in the Bible that says we should start grafting uh, non-apples onto an apple tree. We're supposed to remain segregated from the rest of the world, period. Back to you. Yes. So, thank you. So, this expulsion
1: lasted for some years before the Jewish people were allowed to return to the city. The expulsion had a different effect on the Christian community there as – At this time in history, barely 15 years after the um, conversion of St. Paul, Christian communities were Jewish communities of a particular type. And these are the Judahites. Yes, yeah. Not not Jews.
0: Now, here's where the historicity of the Gospels comes into play. There's no way Paul is going to preach to non Israelites when the Israelites themselves haven't even heard the message. Michael, to whom was a Messiah prophesied? To us, the Israelites. Yes, to true Israel, not to the world. That's very clear from Scripture. All this nonsense about multiculturalism and preaching the gospel to the whole world is a very modern idea which is grafted on to the gospels by the fake churches, right? Again, the historicity of the scriptures must be considered in order to properly interpret what's going on, properly understand what's going on. Back to you.
1: Yeah, and those churches are, of course, financed by the Jewish banking system by the Rothschilds, so they know exactly what they're doing. They want to weaken us. They want to separate us from God as they used in history
0: yes right and now he he misunderstands the concept he mistakes jew and gentile we know what we're talking about really is Judahites and dispersed israelites you know who, uh, who were dispersed around 745 bc and they also were living in rome and in the greco-roman world back to you
1: yes so
0: rather they were
1: member of the jewish community who had embraced Jesus as the Messiah and those who had not.
0: Okay, so here, again, he uses the word Jewish. Those were Judahites, okay? There's no way a Jew would accept Yahshua Messiah. There's no way a Jew would do that, an Edomite Jew, okay? So there were members of the Judahite community who had embraced Christianity and what he falsely calls Judaism, that is Mosaism, They were practicing the Mosaic law in Rome, right? And they were resented for that. Just as we are resented today for practicing true Christianity among the heathen Christians, (laughs) right? We're resented for practicing the true religion, even today, okay? And he says, rather, there were members of the Judahite community often these people attended the same synagogues on the Sabbath. Because why? Because even the dispersed Israelites of both Zerah Judah and the dispersion were beginning to congregate in Rome and understanding, hey, the Messiah has come. We need to hear this preaching. Back to you.
1: Yes. Those members of that community who were Christians then had their own additional meetings to celebrate the um, Euro-
0: Eucharist. And, uh,
1: yeah,
0: that's a Catholic term, Eucharist, which is the uh, you know the wafer, the communion wafer. Okay. uh
1: uh-huh. Yeah. On the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, not all of the members of the Christian part of the community, however. Um, were ethnically or religiously Jewish in Ju- background.
0: Yeah, Judahite. He means Judahite. He doesn't know the difference. Right? Okay. So, again, we see that there was this split among the Judahite community, the dispersed Israelites that were moving in. They were practicing a Sunday ritual where the original Judahites were practicing the Saturday Sabbath. Okay? So there was this split between the israelites on that score which peter and paul had the same issue in judea because peter did not want to accept the dispersed israelites into the community so if you don't know this history about you know what's going on these are tumultuous times folks this is not like the the apostles were being sent out to convert the world. No, the apostles were sent out to preach to dispersed Israel. And in Rome, we had dispersed Judahites as well. Back to you.
1: Yes. So, seen throughout the narrative uh, portion of the New Testament, are Gentiles referred to as um, God-fearers
0: or proselytes? Yeah, they were actually Israelites of the dispersion not Gentiles, okay? So again, yeah, the terminology the terminology that the Judeo's use is awful. It completely distorts history because Gentile is a Jewish word, right? The Jews have foisted this word uh, referring to us as true Judahites and true Israelites. No, we are Judah, we are Israel and uh, the Jewish terminology must be discarded. Back to you.
1: Yes, the, the dispersion I think is better.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. In fact, whenever was. whenever you see Gentile, just uh, replace the word uh, dispersion. Back to you.
1: Yes, there was in the Roman Empire during this period a certain uh, fascination with the Jewish way of life and worship.
0: Yeah. Now, and again, this is Judahite. Back. Yeah. It's Judahite, Yes. Right. Because the Judahites, the uh, the Edomites were not. Uh, circulating in the general population they just weren't they were only hobnobbing with the caesars and the upper crust of rome completely different completely different uh part of the community okay those are the edomite money lenders who were you know Corrupting the, the Roman—not that they needed any much more corruption that there already was—but they were corrupting the Caesars and the, uh, the the upper crust of Roman society with their money and their money lending. Back to you.
1: Yes. So this led many Greek Romans and other to learn about the Jewish scriptures. Available to them in Greek translation. And the ten synagogue gathering on the
0: Sabbath. Okay, this can only be a reference to the Septuagint. They were learning about the Judahite scriptures available in Greek translation. There was only one such source, and that was the Septuagint. Okay? Yeah, and that is also
1: a giveaway for our people, that we are the ones that have these Greek translations. No no lausy Jew have
0: it. The Jews hated the Septuagint because they had their uh, the, their Pharisaic interpretation, which became known as the Masoretic Text, you know, or as Yahshua calls it, the tradition of the elders. The tradition of the elders is completely different from Judahite religion. Completely different. It's the exact opposite. It's a hatred of the Judahite religion. It's Jewish. Back to you. Yeah, the Talmud. Yeah. So this article is yeah. really good for analyzing the differences between the Judahites and the Edomites at this historical period. Back to you. Mm-hmm.
1: Very few of these uh, Gentiles, the dispersions, were willing to fully embrace Judaism through circumcision and fully practicing the Jewish way of life, often due to the sacrifices it would require in uh terms of social status within the Roman Empire. There you oh. go,
0: there you go, right? Because, uh, you know, well, okay, so suppose you're an Israelite of the dispersion and you want to start attending synagogue. Well, the Judahites, the real Judahites, not Jews, they were practicing circumcision, okay, among all the other rituals. So what do I do now, <laughs> right? Right. Well, Paul addresses this situation in his epistles. He says, well, the important thing is that you obey Yahweh's laws and love one another. Circumc- if you don't obey Yahweh's law and you're circumcised, what good is circumcision to you? Okay? Uh, but he also says that the uh, the uh, the liberating... Uh, 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 of of the, all the Israelites at, at the cross at Calvary applies to all Israelites, not just Judahites, right? That's what you, you have to understand the historicity of the day to understand the disputes among the Judahites and the dispersed at this time. You have to understand all this because we're having the dispersed Israel who never practiced or who gave up circumcision who gave up practicing Yahweh's laws, now coming back into the fold. This was a tumultuous time within the Christian community, disregarding any outside influences, which we're also applying at this time. Back to you.
1: Yes, and it's basically nothing new today. If you turn turn back to Yahweh's laws today, well, you're shunnappan. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you, you will yeah, you will be looked down upon because you you practice uh, Yahweh's laws. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the same today. And people are dead afraid of that because then they stick out like this nail that sticks out, this Japanese proverb, don't be the nail that sticks out.
0: Yeah, what what what's the Japanese proverb?
1: They say, Don't build be the, be the nail that sticks out.
0: Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you should you should be hammered down into the woodwork. <laughs> right. Yeah. Conform. Oh, yeah. You must conform. Right? Well yeah. no. N- of- well, none of the Maccabees conformed. They they no. they sacrificed their lives to not conform to the outside world. And uh hopefully yeah. it doesn't get yeah, that. bad. Great. Yeah. Okay, all right, back to you. Uh,
1: Many of these um, God-fearers who had been at the edges uh, of the Jewish community embraced Jesus as the Messiah when they heard the gospel and became Christians.
0: Again, this is the Judahite community because these are not Edomites. These are Judahites who had been living in Rome for several centuries already, okay? But they expected the coming of the Messiah and when... uh, Apostles and uh, you know and disciples from Judea came and said, "Hey, the Messiah has come, aren't you interested?" And they said, "Oh yeah, we're interested in that what well, tell us about it right? no Jew, no Edomite my Jew would have any interest in such a proposition, none whatsoever, okay? You have to understand the difference between a Judahite and a Jew to understand what's what's going on here. back to you,
1: yeah. The crisis reflected in the acts of the Apostles and the Galatians surrounds the willingness of St. Paul and the Apostolic Church to receive these uh, believers fully into the Christian community without requiring them to first join the larger Jewish community through circumcisions and um, obedience to the Jewish way of life, and that is Judahite community and and the way of life is, yeah, following Ju- Yahweh's law, I would say.
0: Yeah, Judahite. Yeah, in both cases, the word here should be Judahite. And, of course, mainstream historians of Christianity do not understand the difference between the two. Yeah, so uh, yeah, unless otherwise, unless we're talking about Edomites, just uh, just read Judahite instead of Jewish, because uh, he doesn't get it. And here he uses the word Gentile, okay? so uh, So let me just read the next sentence. Nevertheless, the dispersed believers the dispersed Israelite believers were brought into a particular type of Judahite community, namely a Christian assembly and were well-versed in the scriptures and worship of that community. Michael, is it possible that non-Israelites would be well-versed in the scriptures? No, no, it's not possible. Never. Okay. You have to understand that at this point in time, we had two groups of so-called Jews one, the two Judahites, and the other, the Edomite Jews. And it was these Edomite Jews who were hobnobbing with the Caesars, and the Judahites who were actually good citizens of Rome because they paid their taxes and were you know, uh, good workers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, building community, but uh, they were resented by the pagans of Rome. So we have two different, very different reasons why the Judahites were resented in in the Roman city, okay, in, in the Roman community. Back to you.
1: The end of Claudius' expulsion then represented a dramatic reversal uh, for the Church at Rome, while previously issues had surrounded the integration of, of the dispersion's Christian into the community of the Judahite character. Uh, now, the church had been functioning as a community of the dispersing Christians believers for a period of years. And the challenge was reintegration of the returning Judahite Christians.
0: Okay, now this, this- is a problem exclusively for Israel. Okay? The dispersed Israelites and the law-abiding Judahites had to be reintegrated. He gets that part of it. But he falsely believes that the Jews are Israelites,
1: right? Back to you. Yes, thank you. So, this represents the primary purposes of them, of the epistles uh, to the Romans. The integration of Christians into Rome from um, Judahite and the dispersion's background into a single community.
0: Amen. That's what Paul was writing about and to. He was not writing to Gentiles. He was not writing to Jews. He was writing to Judahites and dispersed Israelites, telling them, hey, your Messiah has come. All right? You have to understand the historical context and the complications, the societal complications that were facing this community. They were resented by pagan Roman citizens because of their prosperity and their segregated lifestyle. Okay? We have to segregate ourselves from pagans today, don't we?
1: Yeah, nothing has changed.
0: Even if they're white, okay? We preach to them because we love them as brothers, but we can't accept their lifestyle, right? We can't do that. And the same goes for true Judah, you know, if you're a German or a, a, a Brit, you're more than likely a Judahite, okay? You can't accept modern uh, lifestyles. You can't do that. You know, we have to segregate ourselves from the rest of the world. The Bible demands that we do so. Back to you.
1: Yeah, because what does unbelievers um, have, have in common with believers? You cannot <laughs> right. joke them together.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Paul says that. That's a great quotation from Paul. Okay. Yeah, please continue.
1: Do you want to read on? and I'll be right yeah, back.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay. So uh, let me just repeat this last sentence because he gets it to a certain extent. This represents the primary purpose and theme of the Epistle to the Romans, the integration of Christians in Rome from Judahite and dispersed Israelite backgrounds into a single community, not to integrate non-Israelites with Israelites, not at all. It's to integrate the dispersed Israelites of, you know, the Greco-Roman world back with the Judahite community into one single community again. And of course, this was prophesied way back in Genesis, oh, uh, I believe it's sixteen, where. Abraham saw that there would be that this whole territory called the with all the Greco-Roman world it was called at the time, but Mesopotamia would be inhabited by Israelites, and it was at the Feast of Pentecost in 33 A.D. where that prophecy came true that this whole area known as Mesopotamia would be inhabited by Israelites who would be assembling at Rome for the Feast of Pentecost. To continue, as St. Paul's argument moves through chapter 8 of Romans, he reflects an awareness that this reversal being experienced by the Roman Christians was observable throughout the world's Christian communities at the time. Yes, and this was happening in Judea as well. Though St. Paul is always clear that Jesus is the Judahite Messiah and the fulfillment of the Hebrew Scriptures, the reality was that the greater part of the Judahite communities to which he had preached the gospel had not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah, forget about Jews. There's no way Jews would ever accept Jesus as the Messiah. Ain't happening. Further, in many cases... And as an overall trend, it was the dispersed Israelites, especially those God-fearers, but including even outright pagans, who were coming in large numbers to the faith in Jesus Christ, and therefore coming to comprise Christian communities in every city. Okay, here, so here we see a blend of Judahites who were already established in, in Roman cities and other and other Greek cities as well, now having to embrace the dispersed Israelites who were coming out of a pagan background. How do you integrate those two communities? This is the problem that Paul faced more than any other apostle. Peter had to deal with it. I'm sure John, I'm sure James had to deal with it to a certain extent, but none of them traveled to these Israelite communities, these Israelite cities, that had this mixed bag of dispersed Israelites coming from a pagan background and Judahites who were practicing the law. This is the problem that Paul faced. Okay? This has to be understood. Let's continue. How then to understand the rejection by the people of Israel of the promises made to them by God and the reception of those promises instead by Israel? dispersed israelites not gentiles dispersed israelites coming back into the fold the surprising element is not that the dispersed israelites have come to be included in, in those promises and this is this is false christianity right here there's no way that non israelites are ever included in the promises paul clearly says it's only for israelites okay It is totally surprising, because if you are a covenant Israelite, there is no way non-Israelites can be included into the covenants. Yahshua says, I come not but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said to the Canaanite woman, I cannot give you the children's bread. It just proves that this uh, author is a Judeo-Christian. He just doesn't understand the covenant message. So let me read this sentence again. The surprising element is not that the dispersed Israelites have come to be included in these promises, as this was prophesied throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, but that all but a remnant of the Judahite people seem to have been excluded from the fulfillment of those promises. Well, those who you know, kept promising, uh, uh, practicing the Mosaic Law. Right, there are a lot of Judahites who failed to practice the, the rituals too. They were hypocrites, and this is what Paul is addressing in the, his epistle to the Romans: "You hypocrites, you pre, you say that you obey the law, but you don't." Okay.
1: And, um, then I think about this verse. I'm back. Um, this verse that he said that you are you nice on the outside, but inside you dead man's bone.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that was uh, Yahshua's uh, statement to the Pharisees, who were, were not Judahites even, you know. There may have be, been one or two Judahite Pharisees, but the ma- vast majority of them were Edomites, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you, unless you understand the historicity of the day, you cannot understand these epistles. You can't understand any of the epistles, especially the epistles of Paul, because he as this he correctly states that Paul is trying to integrate the dispersed Israelites who are moving uh, throughout the the Middle East, who were having to understand the scriptures once again, which they had totally forgotten for 750 years. Okay. So to continue, it is to answer this question that St. Paul draws our attention in Romans 9, 10 through 13. Well, let's go there. Because he I can read it. it. Go ahead. Let's go
1: to Romans. Uh, there, Romans nine and then ten
0: until. There. Now we may have to read more of it to get set the context, but go ahead, read those verses.
1: I can start to read from. I can read from the beginning.
0: Okay. Instead.
1: Very good. I read from one until uh, I read on. So, and I read from the scriptures. I speak the truth in Messiah. I do not lie, my conscience also bearing me witness in the set-apart spirit, that I have great sadness and uh, continual grief in my heart. For I myself could have wished to be banished from Messiah for the sake of my brother, my relatives according to the flesh.
0: Okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is he talking to, by, for, and about?
1: It is from the Israelites, from his yeah. said, relative according to the
0: flesh. His kinsmen according to the flesh, not so called Gentiles. Okay? Now, the, the good thing about this article is, even from a Judeo Christian perspective, you, you can see the dilemma that Paul is facing. How do I integrate these recently pagan Israelites? who were promised that they would be uh, saved from their sins, uh, 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 alleviated from their sins at the cross, at the coming of the Messiah, who had not been practicing the Mosaic law for at least 750 years and even longer, actually. Now how to integrate this community with the community of Judah, who had been practicing the Mosaic law up until this point in time. But he says very clearly, who are my kinsmen according to the flesh? Now it's interesting that the author of the oracle does not start from Romans one verse one through th- or sorry, Romans nine verses one through three, which clearly says these people are kinsmen according to the flesh. He's referring to both the Judahites and the dispersed Israelites, if you please. Back to you. Thank
1: you. So from okay. nine four. Further. Who are the shield of Israel? To whom is the adoption and the esteem and the covenant and the giving of the Torah and the worship and the promises?
0: Okay, now the word adoption has to be clarified here. It does not mean adoption in the modern sense. It means the placement. He's talking about the placement of Israelites to their true position as the sons of of the covenants, okay? To whom pertaineth the placement as we are the heirs of the promises and the covenants. No other people can be included in the covenants. So that word adoption is a very loaded word. It has to be properly understood what that word means. It means, it's huethēsia, It means to place as a son, Okay, you already have to be an Israelite before you can be placed as a son of Israel. That's what that verse really means. Back to you.
1: Thank you very much. Okay. And then let's continue in uh, – wait.
0: Yeah, yeah. Almost, okay. Oh, verse 5, yes.
1: Yeah, I got the phone because I have to just Oh, to okay, Okay. <laughs>
0: so,
1: who, who's – let's see, I was on 9 – Yeah, uh, nine 4 9-4. Uh, yeah. Read, yeah. read
0: that whole verse again, because it's a very uh, who
1: important verse. Uh, to whom uh, is the adoption, and the esteem, and the covenants, and the giving of the Torah, and the worship, and the promises?
0: Okay, who, who was given the Torah? Was the world given we. the Torah? No. To Absolutely us. not. This is exclusive language, folks. Totally exclusive language. Properly understood. Back to you.
1: Uh, yes, uh, whose are the Father, and from whom is the Messiah, according to the flesh.
0: Oh, what? Who
1: is the, the flesh?
0: <laughs> according to what? The flesh? Oh, I thought it's all spiritual stuff, right? No. Yeah. yeah
1: the modern church has tried to tell us it is only, f- it is yeah. some spiritual everything, but it's not so, spiritual. It <laughs> is,
0: the <laughs> Satan like... is
1: here in flesh and blood in the form of the Jews.
0: So Amen.
1: It is not spiritual.
0: The Greek word is sarx. And it means flesh. That is meat. <laughs> meat. There's no spiritual significance to this word at all. Back to you.
1: Yes. So, and he again, he said the flesh. That is also, so this again, he, 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 re- he says it two times. So he, he stresses yes. the importance of it. Yes. So, however, it is not as though the word of Elohim has failed, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel.
0: Okay, now this is a, a, a difficult verse because it's totally misunderstood by the churches. Uh, what he's talking about here is that unless you have, uh, unless you accept. If, we have to speak in the present tense here because he's speaking to Israelites from both groups. Unless you accept Yahshua Messiah as as your king, as your savior, you cannot be considered a true Israelite. Okay? You have to keep the historical context in mind. So unless, if, if you're a Judahite and you reject Messiah, well, then you have you have rejected your Israelite heritage, have you not?
1: Yeah, it's part of it.
0: Yes, at least partially, right? So what you need to do is you need to understand who you are, that your salvation, your Savior has come, and you have to accept your Savior in the flesh. And if you don't, then you can't be considered a true Israel. You will not be an heir. You cannot be an heir unless you accept all these circumstances. Back to you.
1: Yes, so neither are they all. Sh- oh, okay, neither are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called, and that's right? a very famous uh, prophecy yeah. that is in Isaac. Your seed shall be called so it's like Saxons.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the, the churches totally ignore that verse too. That's Genesis twenty-one twelve. An easy verse to memorize Genesis twenty one twelve. Again, here Paul is referring back to the Old Testament constantly. Is it at all conceivable, Michael, that a non Israelite would have any idea what he is talking about? Okay, what a yeah, even a right pagan, even a pagan Roman. If that pagan Roman were not an Israelite, this this would be meaningless. If a pagan roman in Isaac shall thy seed be called, what does that mean? To a person who is not of the seed line? It means nothing to them. All right? No to you. No, yeah. exactly.
1: They they won't even talk about it because they don't understand it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. so but the modern churches insist that this this epistle was written to the whole world. Any potential Christian, nonsense, absolute nonsense. Modern Christianity mm-hmm. is absolute nonsense, folks. I right, see we only have about four minutes left. We're going to have to continue this next Sunday, but it's a very instructive, uh, you know, episode uh, article because of what it gets right and what it gets wrong. All right, back to you. Yes, so I'm
1: nine eight. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of Elohim, but the children of the promise are reckoned as the seed.
0: Okay, so this clarifies it. If you do not accept the promise, if you do not, and the promise is that that your Savior Messiah would come for you, if you do not accept that Yeshua came in the flesh for you. If you don't accept that promise having been fulfilled, then you cannot be counted as the seed. Okay? Where he says, But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. That explains verse 6 where he says, They are not of all which all Israel, which are of Israel. Just the mere fact that you have the, uh, the DNA of Israel is not good enough. You have to accept the fact that, that your DNA uh, Kinsman Yahshua Messiah, came to uh, fulfill the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, unless you accept all of that, fully understanding who you are, then you cannot be counted for the seed. All right, back to you.
1: So, for this is the word of promise. At this time I shall come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but Rebha, uh, uh, having conceived by one, our father uh, Yitzhak uh, that Isaac.
0: Yes. Okay. Now, now, now we're going to get back into the uh, the question of uh, Jacob and Esau, and so. Uh, but but keep out. Yeah. Uh, uh, read uh, through verse thirteen, because we really haven't discussed the, the difference between Jacob and Esau yet. We're just getting there. Uh, Please continue.
1: Yeah, we have a a good warm-up.
0: Yes, this is a warm-up, yeah. Uh,
1: Yet before they were born or had done any good or evil, in order that the purposes of Elohim, according uh, to choice, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, The greater shall serve the lesser, as it has been written.
0: Yes. Yeah, f- please finish uh, verse Jacob. 13. Yeah.
1: Jacob, I have loved, but Esau, I have hated.
0: Amen. Okay. So now we're getting into the story of Esau and Jacob. Right now, we've been just discussing the difference between Judahites and Edomites, as we understand and the dispersion. Three different groups, okay? Judahites, coming from the house of Judah. Edomites coming from totally outside of the genome of Israel, and the dispersed Israelites who had become paganized. We we're talking about three different groups of people. The Christian world does not understand us at all, have no understanding of it whatsoever. But now we're finally so Paul has finally identified that these dispersed Israelites are part of the house of Israel. They need to accept the Messiah. The house of Judah needs to accept the Messiah, but now he brings in these Edomites that are completely different from both. Thank you, Michael, and thank you all for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. We will do part two, and maybe this is a a great study. We'll certainly have a part two with with regard to this article next week. Thank you all for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Bye-bye.